All right, and we're back with another Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, Game Source, and also as well, the Lakers Fast Break. Thank you for listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. And if you do, we truly appreciate it. It helps to get us more visible to Lakers and also NBA fans out there that are liking our stuff. He's back again. We were going to talk about the top 10 small forwards coming up in the draft as of now. And then we were also going to go ahead and talk about the best organizations at drafting so far in recent years. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to shelve that. Hopefully I can get him to record maybe on Monday to go ahead and do that or whenever he's available next week. Plus on Tuesday, Tuesday, we're doing a special NBA mock draft, Raphael his brother from NBA Draft Junkies. So I've got not one, but two Barlows for NBA Draft Junkies coming up on Tuesday at noon on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Not only that, Michael Visenberg and also Stone Hansen, all the guys that have appeared on the show, they're coming up to do a special mock draft. We're going to go ahead and break it down for you. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I know everybody involved is looking forward to it. But speaking of Raphael, he's back again to talk a new setup for the NBA be more competitive with those high schoolers that are going overseas or we're going the one and done and all that. He's a good man indeed. He's on it as far as the NBA draft is concerned. You got to check out his page, nbadraftjunkies.com, and also his great YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies. It's Rafael Barlow. Much to discuss today because a Woj bomb, so to speak, dropped on yesterday. So it's very interesting, very interesting indeed. Yeah, I was caught off guard. I think SportsCenter was too, um, because they had posted a tweet maybe 24 hours before, and they said Jalen Green was going to make his decision. But the options were the NBL in Australia, Auburn, and Memphis. They didn't really say anything about the G League being an option. And then later on, as the day went on, I think Adam Zagoria um, and a few other people had said that he was going to he was going to take the G League option. And then when the, as you call it, the Woj bomb dropped, it was definitely an interesting day as far as just the, the information coming out once you find out that this is not a traditional G League schedule that this, that these guys will be playing on him and um, Isaiah Todd, which made his official today. And let's talk about that in detail. To give everybody up to speed on it, Adrian Wojnarowski along with Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express part of ESPN. They coordinated on the story. In fact, they've got a good podcast that goes into detail about some of the parameters on it. I think the NBA and the G League are still trying to work it out, but the NBA was kind of really tired of seeing all these players that are one and dones or individuals from high school that didn't want, as you talked about it, Mm -hmm. don't want to go to college, didn't want to go to college. And they would go overseas like LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton. We've seen it now for several years, actually. Uh, you know, a lot of these players wanting to go overseas because they didn't want to go ahead and, and commit to a university. And, and we've seen these top prospects go elsewhere and things of that nature. And the NBA got tired of that. And so the NBA had been mulling around some things for years, but really had not solidified a great idea or some way to really entice these kids. And when it comes down to it, you know it always concerns money. So mm-hmm. with Jalen Green, who is right now 
barring injury, I think, at this point in time, or a really bad developmental year coming up, is probably going to be the number one pick in the 2021 draft. I mean, a lot of people have him very high. I'm sure you have him on your radar as well. He announced that he is going to partner with the G League, and the G League is going to come up with something as far as creating a team based out of Southern California. It's not going to be a G League team as far as competitive, as far as actually having a record and being affiliated with an NBA team per se, but it is going to be a G League level team with NBA prospects there as well, guys who are looking to get back into the league, mixing in with these kids. As you mentioned, Isaiah Todd, also a top five recruit as well coming out of high school who's also foregoing the university, going this route as well. The rumored pay is about $500,000 if he meets all the requirements. I think there's community service deals and things of that nature that he has to go ahead and, and uh, at least the top prospects. So it's not every kid that comes out of high school that can get this. It's only the top prospects that can get this kind of money uh, That he, if he meets all of his requirements. It's about $500,000 if he meets it. Plus, he can make himself eligible for shoe deals and things of that nature. So both these guys, I think, are getting that type of contract right off the bat. Is this a good thing, in your opinion? Is this something that you think needed to be done? Because there's a lot of questions that come after it. I mean, there's the basis and the announcement, but there's a lot of questions behind it. A lot of things that you and I have talked about in the recent past that's relating to it. But first off, is this a good idea for the NBA to go ahead and develop this G League level team that it'll be having exhibition games against other G League teams and maybe some international teams? But is this a good idea? Well, I think it's a good idea for the NBA, a bad idea for college basketball. I think this pretty much hurts college basketball in a major way. And it's still early. We could still see other guys from the 2021 projected draft class changed their mind. The one who I'm curious to see is Cade Cunningham. I haven't heard anything about him changing his mind, but he's actually the the kid who I have number one in my 2021 draft class. He um, is not committed to this. Is that correct? No, I, I haven't even heard any rumors it, that he's weighing his options. But if he does, I mean, especially considering with what's going on in the world, is there going to be a college basketball season? Are you going to have to play college basketball without any fans? And then at the end of the day, unless you're really, really rich, it's hard to turn down half a million dollars. I know you and I would <laughs> yeah. do it. Just, it's like, we're there. Where do you want me? So Yeah, I mean, you can, you can pay for college later on. I mean, you can't. The experience is... Well, I wanted to add this in. It's rumored as well that these kids are going to be having a scholarship to a university of their choice as well. I mean, that's that's like icing on the cake right there. I think that's nice. Um, will they go? Who knows? I mean, some may. I think a lot of times that, like, if, if Jalen Green went to, like, a Memphis or Auburn, and by him having that connection with that particular school, I think they'd be more willing to help him make his process of graduating a little easier. I think he was leaning towards Memphis, just to give you an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And if you just randomly pick a school, I mean, I don't know. Just think about it. If you were 18 years old and someone said, I'm going to give you half a million dollars, but you can go to college if you want. It's optional. I mean, I don't know how many would actually go. (laughs) So, I mean, and, and I wonder how long does it take for them to 
is it like a four or five years or they can give them six or seven years to complete the program and then they'll get the money. That's one of the questions that I have as far as like the scholarship goes. But like you said, as a move for the NBA to keep these kids here for scouting purposes. And I think the NBA as a league, as ownership is all in on this. And even though on the surface does not look like it's a money-making venture, Mm-hmm. To from a standpoint of saving on scouting, from saving on trips, from say just being more convenient right there where you, you can see eventually if this plays out, I mean, this is the start of it, but let's say there's seven to 10 recruits even every year that go ahead and join this team. Mm-hmm. That could be something where you're investing that type of money to go ahead and get a better look at these kids on a regular daily, weekly, monthly basis. Oh, yeah. From the NBA's perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think they had to up the money, the 125000 and joining a regular G League team just wasn't going to be enough. No, I no. I worked in a G League like four years, and fortunately for me, I live in the Dallas area, so um, I worked with the Texas Legends. So I was in a major city. But outside of that, a lot of these teams aren't in major cities. You know, you have teams in Sioux Falls. You have teams in um, – Erie, I think, I don't know if Erie's still still there. Well, well they so were also going to propose that a team would be, I know this was before Sharif Rahim took over. The idea was, like you said, 125000 plus creating a special team in an undisclosed location, or like you said, putting them on an undisclosed team. You know, that's an NBA affiliate. That NBA affiliate team couldn't pick them. But I, I also maybe just creating a team like they're doing now, creating some, uh, that G League level team and whatnot. But either which way, like you said, the money just was not enough. Yeah, I mean, it's weird considering that $125,000 is significantly more than what the average American makes. And you have teenagers that are choosing to turn this down, which shows how much faith they have in their ability to make millions the next year or how much they were getting paid under the table. It depends on how you look at it. But for whatever reasons, nobody had took the offer. And I felt like the NBA just had to step up and come up with a, a much better option to entice kids to to join the G League. And as far as like it benefiting the NBA, yes, you save a lot of money on scouting. I read that, that, there, that there were a few teams that didn't even get a chance to go see RJ and LaMelo play. And as a person who actually went out to Australia, that is a long trip <laughs> and i i was coming from beijing china that was the probably one of the longest trips i've ever been on in my life it's like the map doesn't give it justice how far australia is so i could see how teams were if if there are going to be multiple guys every year going to australia how teams would say you know what that is too far for us to go for one or two games and if we want to go multiple times it just makes sense to pretty much wipe out our top prospects going to Australia. So it seems like the NBA move was to eliminate Australia as a top option and to kick college basketball while it's down. And you could also televise these events on ESPN, getting some mm-hmm. of the money back and you know how they'll promote it and you know how they'll glorify yeah. it, put that on there. And, and there you go. Those exhibition mashups against another NBA G league affiliate, let's say the South Bay Lakers or if uh, Tel Aviv Maccabi comes down and, you know, they how they travel just before the season. You, the NBA teams play them in exhibition games. 
they can add an extra exhibition game right there against that G League affiliate team. I mean, it's well, that's what I think I'm curious so. about because the G League starts after the NBA. And by that time, the European season has already started. So there's usually a small window when the European teams and the NBA teams are not in season and they can play. But I mean, that's in like October. And so, you know, the G League doesn't have their draft until after all the NBA rosters have been finalized. And then after they've been finalized is when they have their draft. And then you got to have like a couple weeks into camp. And then that's when they start their games. But the European season has already started. So unless they make some changes, I don't see how they'll be able to scrimmage or not scrimmage, but play exhibition games against European clubs. That's what they were saying. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's going to logistically and, and schedule-wise, that would be really hard to do. But some way they can try and make it work, if, especially if the kids commit early and they maybe go to a camp early because these kids would not be part of a G League draft for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then it is going to be sprinkled in with NBA, either former players or G League level players that are looking to get back into the league. So it'll probably be right now a situation where you have those type of players that are not eligible to be drafted, let's say, and they're there specifically and being probably paid and compensated by the league to go ahead and just be there to develop those kids and kids primarily. And if they get a good look and get a good shine off of Jalen Green and they get a good shine off of Isaiah Todd and whoever else is there as a projected high lottery pick, they can go ahead and get themselves back in the league. So that's a, you know, it's, it's a win-win in many ways, but you're right for the NCAA it's a loss, but then again, this this is something that they've had coming for a long time. Right. Their reluctance to go ahead and change and evolve has been their own undoing. Right. Yeah, like I mentioned, I have a lot of questions, like who the veterans are. I mean, as a veteran trying to get back into the NBA, do you really want to take a back seat to some 18-year-olds? Who are they playing? How many games are they going to play? I imagine I'll put them in a showcase in the in the G League showcase that happens like the midway point of the season. It seems like to me it's just gonna be one really long training camp of a season. And I just have a lot of questions about that. I read they may be playing like some of the NBA Academy teams across the world. To me that's that's gonna be lower level than high school basketball because I've seen some of those academy teams and they're building you know, they're in the, the process of, of building those academies up, but the talent isn't necessarily there to compete on a high level for those kids. And then if you think about, like, the academies are, like, in Africa. I know China has one. Australia has a few. But the top prospects are in Europe as far as, you know, as far as, like, players their age. And those European prospects are already playing on club teams, already in systems with, like, Barcelona or or Maccabi and so on. And then also Africa has a few of the academies, but it seems like a lot of the best players from Africa have been poached out of, out of the continent and have already been put in with some of the European academies. So I've seen like a few of the guys that are from the Senegal 19U or 18U team that are playing in Italy or they're playing in Spain. So in my opinion, it seems like those guys won't even be able to compete against this G League path select team so again a lot of questions i'm curious to see how they fill the schedule out it just seems like it's going to be a really long training camp but it does give the nba teams an eye 
Um, you know, just to be able to see the guys, it helps with Intel. For example, you don't necessarily have to do a whole bunch of tracking college coaches and assistants and trying to gather Intel on the player. What is he like off the court? How's his lifestyle? You get the, the chance to see that firsthand. And it it's helps them because if there's a guy that has some character issues or immaturity issues, you can see that early before you invest millions of dollars into him. And also they'll be working with NBA level coaching. Mm -hmm. A lot of former coaches may stop by to go ahead and give instructional type scenarios to them. Maybe even the, uh, their head coaches and the coaching team will have a lot of NBA experience. I'm imagining that's going to be the case. So mm -hmm. they will get firsthand NBA instruction, which is something that these kids that go to Australia don't necessarily have. Right. If I were in charge of it, and this is just totally off base, I would probably make it so they've joined a regular G League team and it would be like a supplemental draft in a sense. So let's say, for example, the Atlanta Hawks, their G League team, I don't remember their record off the top of my head, but let's say their G League team wasn't good and their the NBA team wasn't good, then they could have an opportunity for a top five pick in the G League draft and they could select one of the, the kids. If they select Jalen Green, he plays on their, their College Park Hawks team. If they like him, they can keep him, but they have to forfeit their 21 2021 first round pick. If they decide that they don't like him that high, then he can enter the NBA draft. So that would be my, my way of doing it because I really want to see the kids thrown into the wolves, to be honest with you. I want to see them play against the best G League teams because from my experience working in the G League, if a guy was sent down from the parent club, the rest of the G League players will circle that date on their schedule because they know that that guy's parent team is investing in him. They want to watch him. So he has to bring his best every night because he's like he has a target on his back. And so I kind of would like to see how these kids will react with a target on their back, considering all 30 teams are going to be watching them and how they react with some of the best players in the G League who are former NBA players are, are playing against them. So I, I just feel like with the way they have it set up now, the path is going to be somewhat easy, but it's also going to make sure that these kids maintain their early draft stock because if someone's draft stock drops in this process, then maybe some people won't think it's worth it. So in my opinion, I just feel like they need to throw them out to the wolves, let them play the top schedule and just see how they perform because they're going to have to do that the next year in the NBA. What I think is going to be the scenario, anytime one of these G League teams heads over to play the South Bay Lakers at home, they're going to probably have a back-to-back -back type scenario where they play that G League-centric team with the, with the young kids involved. So basically, let's say uh, Sioux Falls or mm -hmm. let's say the, the Texan team, the Dallas team, they have a situation where they're going to be playing the South Bay Lakers they're just going to go ahead and play them on a Wednesday and then play that G League team on a Friday or vice versa. I would, I would probably say that's going to be something like that. I thought about that. But then I, the, the next question I had after that is part of the NBA lifestyle and part of adjusting to being a pro and even in college is the travel. So if this team is not doing a lot of traveling, that's really not preparing them for the next level. 
as far as just how to maintain your body, what to eat. And I'm sure well, they maybe they maybe they'll tour them domestically. And that's what I was. I mean, there's a lot of questions to be answered. I did. a. I spoke with someone yesterday. Um, you know, there's a team in Mexico that's supposed to play in the G League next season. So I wonder how does this impact them? And I'm pretty sure since that's an unknown commodity, that's the one I imagine that's the one team they're probably going to play multiple times. Because if that G League team in Mexico is already an established team of, of, of uh, players from the area and they may not have any any NBA players or any American players on there, or maybe not a lot of them, that's probably the ideal situation to see how this G League path team compares against them. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. But it's also going to be easier for someone such as yourself as an NBA draft expert to go ahead and get, you'll get more tape, you'll get more time spent evaluating the player. And, well, yes, if you want to go ahead and travel, it's much easier to go ahead and travel from where you're at to L.A. than opposed to where you're at to Australia. I would prefer is, to go to Australia <laughs> just because it's for me it's a combination of getting to do what I enjoy doing and the experience. But that's true. That's true. Yeah, imagine, beautiful area down there. Beautiful area. Yeah. But I, I imagine NBA teams will want to keep spending that money to go watch somebody play maybe one or, or two games. So and then there's a risk that you know a guy get hurt. So I imagine how many teams lost money when they pay for tickets and then Melo and RJ didn't finish the season. Well, yeah, that's right, because Melo and RJ, they didn't even play – they played until November, early November? I'm not sure. I, th- I think off the top of my head, I want to say like 15 and 12 games is all they played. Yeah, so, they, yeah, it makes more sense for them to go ahead and be a part of something like this, future NBA uh, you know, uh, lottery mm-hmm. kits like this, uh, to so that they'll get more exposure, but they'll also have more chances and opportunities to practice and play in somewhat competitive environments more often and you get a better evaluation of exactly on both ends where you stand but also where nba teams evaluate you and where they think you stand as well right and again i keep saying i have questions if these games don't count in the g league standings then it's kind of like exhibition games and so i would i would like to see the games actually count and mean something that the kids are playing in I agree with you on that one. I think that would be cool because, like you said, it would mean something. They would be motivated because let's say like 12 games in, Jalen Green wants to shut it down or or just really doesn't want to try hard. Yeah, it would hurt his draft stock a little bit, but if he's got so much talent in the first 10 to 12 games, 
that he's the apparent number one, nobody's going to pass up on him. So, I, right. like you said, if the games mean something, that to me would make a lot more. Even if they're a team that's not very good overall, I still would like to see them to the point where these games are competitive and actually count against the standings. I, I agree with you on that assessment. Yeah, and I don't see what's stopping an agent from having his guy shut it down. You know, he's projected to go number one or number two. He has a, a mild ankle sprain. We don't want to risk anything. We're, we're shutting it down. It's less likely to happen in college basketball because it's not coming from an agent. You know, it's, it's the, and the kid wants to play in the environment. He wants to play on ESPN, the big games. Like, you're not going to want to really sit out a, a Duke, North Carolina game or the rivalry game. So I think that's where college does have an advantage as far as like people not just shutting it down. While in this case, you know, if you got a, a sore hip or a sore knee, I mean, are you, are you going to want to play against RGV Vipers <laughs> in front of six or 700 people and, and not look good? So I don't know. I just think, there's a lot of loopholes to be filled out, and it looks like we have plenty of time before the season starts, and maybe they have it figured out by then. But me personally, I just have a lot of questions about it. I think the highlighted or promoted games will be put on ESPN, but I think a lot of those games will be on NBA TV. would be yeah. my estimation. Mm -hmm. And so this sets up, I think, the last question I wanted to talk to you about in regards to this, and that the basic structure uh, for the NCAA and NBA uh, and also the NBA Players Association on how they have this all set up with one and dones, the whole concept. Uh, mm -hmm. I've told you, I think I told you before that I just, uh, the one and done deal is just never agreed with me. I mean, you are as an 18 year old, if you're in any type of vocation these days, if you want to go ahead, oh, almost any type, I should say, if you want to go ahead and do what you want to do and become a professional and bypass the university, in on almost any vocation, you're allowed to do so if you right. think you're good enough. And you're saying to these kids with the one and done, well, you just have to say here at City Year. And you said it yourself, a lot of these one and dones just don't like school. And right. if that's the case, it's not for them. It's not for them. Uh, the NCA should be more forgiving if they realize they made a mistake and they're undrafted and it looks like their future as an NBA player looks very bleak or at least now or maybe a year or two development would probably help them in college atmosphere so we could they should go ahead and be allowed back but you know it just to me the one and done rule i think is just something that should have never happened and it to me it, it signals a sign that the ncaa is still behind the times but also the nba and the nba players association it tells me that they're not close and the ncaa all these three of these entities in getting a uh, you know, this one and done deal removed. It just tells mm -hmm. me that the high school coming out of high school, like it used to be in the past, like with LeBron and whatnot, those days are still yet to come. I think that would probably have to be hashed out with a CBA. I know in the Woj pod, when he was talking to, I think Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express, part of ESPN, they expressed that they're far off because the fact is something you and I also talked about and I've also talked about with the other guys that have come on for the NBA draft, and that is the medicals right. being an issue, being available to all teams, that that's a big no-no for the players' union and because of the agents and whatnot don't want to do it. And that seems to be a trade-off, the one and done that the NBA players want and then the medicals that the teams want. And that still seems to be something that's far off. So that's why the NBA went ahead and created this scenario 
So to me, I think that's unfortunate. I mean, this team wouldn't necessitate itself. This step by the NBA and the G League wouldn't even be necessary if the one and done was done. And I'm torn on whether I like the one and done or not, simply because I think the as a, if I were NBA scout, I would not want to scout all the college games and then the high school games. You'd really be working year round because now you're going to AAU tournaments all over the country following a kid. And I think college somewhat maybe weeds out some of the guys that were highly ranked and by like ESPN or 24-7. Like, for example, if this were 2015, Scott Vissier was the number one high school player in the country. So he would have been eligible for this half a million dollar G League path. Well, he played at Kentucky and found out that he wasn't as good as what he was projected to be. So even if you look at some of the McDonald's players in the last five years, maybe half of them have left school early, did a one and done when they weren't ready, and they're they're in the G League now or they're playing in, in Europe and they're right now they don't really look like they're potential NBA players at this point. And so college may have helped weed those guys out as opposed to now if they continue to have this. I think there are going to be a lot of guys making six figures in this G League path system that are going to that teams are going to find out this guy is really not an NBA player. Maybe he 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 was so dominant in high school because he was bigger, stronger, faster, and he he peaked out early. So I feel like college does weed out some of those guys. Now, of course, then you got your Zions and you have the you know those guys that made college basketball a whole lot of money and the NBA and the G league would love to have Zion playing on NBA TV for this team. And, and, you know, it brings um, exposure to the league. So I'm kind of torn on it, but I do feel like there was some, some good in the one and done from the NBA's perspective. And I get that. It does, like you say, weed some of these players out that are highly ranked coming out of high school that, when they, as soon as they get on the college floor are really not as good or maybe have an injury or so you mm-hmm. or, or injury prone. And you find that out as an, a lot earlier before you go ahead and invest money on them as an NBA team, or they're just not as good as the hype or as the, mm-hmm. whatever the rivals or wherever you want to say is rating them as so high. So I get that. But for me, like I said, it's an issue of as an 18 year old, you're an adult, you should be allowed to do exactly what you want to do, whether it's go to college or whether it's go into a vocation or or professional job right away. It just prevents you from doing that right now with this one and done. Mind you, it's a year, but then you have a kid that's not even motivated to go ahead and, and get their education, which I would prefer them doing anyways. But in those cases of LeBron, LeBron if this was the one and done were eligible at that time when he was coming out of high school and you say LeBron with all the talent that he has, who was ready as you and I both know right there and then to go in the NBA, having him sit for a year at a college, Ohio state or whatever, it just didn't make any sense. Well, how about it from this perspective? Let's say Zion goes, does this G league path instead of going to Duke, right? He plays in the G League and, you know, he does well. But do you think he would have made more money from his shoe contract by playing in the G League path or by going to Duke? 
you and I talked about money under the table. Who knows? <laughs> well, he got $75 million from Jordan Brand. And I feel like a lot of that is just based off of all the hype he got from going to Duke, you know, the, the games on ESPN College Basketball. And at the end of the day, college basketball is always going to be more popular than the G League because I feel like college basketball fans support the school regardless. If me and you played for Duke, they're going to sell out every game. Yeah. Well, once you turn pro, it's all about who's on the back, back of the jersey, and even in the G League. I mean, there's some guys that are big-time stars in college that are playing in the G League, and now they're playing in front of five or 600 people a night. So in the uh, case well, of Zion, Zion, Zion was not the, the top rated coming out of high school. So it did benefit him. So I agree for, with yeah. you on that standpoint. standpoint. One and like done worked for him. One and done worked for him. Mm -hmm. But with other players like LeBron that are ready to come into the NBA at 18, you know, a year preventing them seems to be kind of harsh. I agree. I just, I'm just thinking like the far as the branding that college basketball was able to give players, like for your sneaker deal, if Zion signed a sneaker deal last year at this time, it may have been 1 million, maybe even 5 million a year. But because he went to Duke, built his brand up, he ended up getting like 15 million a year. So I think while the kids can make some money out of right out of high school in this in this path, I think where it can't possibly hurt them at is their sneaker deals. Unless the agents are smart and negotiate like a one-year deal or two-year deal. Zion definitely benefited from the exposure that he got at Duke. I think the same with Ben Simmons, even though he personally chose to go to college because he's Australian. He could have easily went to the NBA and he had an advantage. But all the exposure that came along with him going to LSU and all that helped him get, I, I want to say he maybe got like the 12 to $14 million sneaker deal. I just don't know if you'll get 14 to $15 million sneaker deal off the top if you're going from high school to the G League because I just don't know if, if they'll be able to build their brand like that in the G League as they could in college. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, it's been a great discussion on that, and I know the topics are going to be coming fast and furious as this G League developmental idea takes shape You know, 100%. There's going to be probably more decommits from college we're going to see over the next days and weeks, I bet, at least a couple more high-profile names. And not everybody is going to get that $500,000. That's mm -hmm. Let's say there's going to be a top 30 pick, top 30 choice coming out of high school that wants to go ahead and do it. They probably are not going to get the five hundred thousand. They'll get some type of money, but they won't yeah. get that that high dollar amount that they're even the, the Isaiah Todds and Jalen Greens has, still have to meet. There's certain conditions that they have to meet in order to max out that full contract. But then again, if they have the shoe deal, they may not want have to go ahead and max out that part of it. So we'll right. we'll see how this all develops. I know you had a great conversation on your YouTube page with Dakota Schmidt about this mm -hmm. very fact. So if people want to go ahead and check out the conversation even more, where do they need to head to? Yeah, you can go to my YouTube channel, just type in NBA Draft Junkies. 
It's the last video I did as of today, and it's up there. Dakota writes for Ridiculous Upside, and he's he's pretty much the G League guru. He knows the G League in and out, and so he had a, a good perspective about his opinion on how the you know how the situation is going to turn out for the players. So it's on my it's on my YouTube channel, and then I'll be adding it to the website this evening. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And again, there's a lot of great stuff, including your discussion with your brother, and I'm going to call it a discussion, mm-hmm. uh, on James Wiseman <laughs> and other great stuff that you got there. You've got breakdowns going on, so please be part of the over 10,000 subscribers today on your NBA Draft Junkies YouTube page, plus also all the great stuff that you're doing at NBADraftJunkies.com. I'll tell you what, a lot of great things to talk about, and still – when you come back, we got to talk about the top 10 small forwards that mm-hmm. are right now eligible in the draft or how you see them at this point, plus also the top organizations that draft well in recent years. In your mind, in your opinion, those are great conversations. And if there's more news on this G League affiliate team that they're going to go ahead and create, I think we'll be talking about that next week as well, plus our big mock draft. I'm so excited for it, and I hope you are too, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm coming out with different scenarios as we speak. Well, I will on air, on the camera, they have the hat and throw the names in the hat. I swear I will not do the frozen envelope to pick myself first. Okay. okay. I swear. I swear I won't do the Ewing frozen envelope thing. In fact, you know what? I'll make the rule right now. I cannot pick first. How about that? Just to make this whole thing fair. Although if you get someone else to bring them in, I won't even have to worry about that. And that could be Adam Silver, but I'll have hair. Adam Silver with hair is something I've never seen in my life. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can find someone else. But actually, I I want you to be in the draft as long as you get the Lakers pick. Oh, no. Well, we'll see. I know Stone Hansen's a huge Lakers fan as well. So we'll see what happens. I know Lakers fans would be interested who gets picked at that spot. But I want to make it fair, like I said, whoever, if it's me in or – all five individuals in, I'm going to put the names out and just randomly pick them out just to make it fair. So somebody's going to get the Lakers pick. I'm not sure quite who yet, but just just to kind of make it fair. Because I know somebody will say, hey, why did you get the first pick? Why did you get this? You know how that is. So, Well, it's not like we're competing. And, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know. always compete to some level. Yeah. Well, it's not like we're competing and the team that we put together is playing in like a 2K tournament and there's some disadvantages, but Hey, if you get the first pick, if that's how the cookie crumbles, then you get the first pick. But that means you probably won't get the Lakers pick. So it's up to you, yeah. which is more important. It would be uh, what the wow, that would 29th, be, I think. Yeah, 29th. So, yeah, mm-hmm. something to think about right there for you. Maybe I'll have that frozen envelope yet. <laughs> have the host not get the Lakers pick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I know, like I said, Stone Hansen would have a deal with because he loves the Lakers just as much as I do. But I'll tell you what, it's great having you on once again. Next week, I got you on for, like I said, the top 10 small forwards and best organizations, plus our great mock draft. I cannot wait to talk to you more about all the great stuff going on, plus more great conversations with Laker Tom and more coming up right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.